Asymmetrical Haircuts, Justice Update. In partnership with justiceinfo.net. All rise. So, another big event at the ICC, Stephanie. The first Darfur trial at the International Criminal Court in The Hague. Yes, of Mr. Abd al-Rahman, or his full name is Ali Mohammed Ali Abd al-Rahman, according to the prosecution known as Ali Kushaib. The defense has other stuff to say about it, but we'll get to that. He's a senior commander of the pro-government Janjaweed fighters during the height of the conflict in Darfur, which is between 2003 and 2004. According to UN reports, about 300,000 people were killed, 2 million were displaced. And this situation, as they call it uh, in ICC parlance, has been going on since March 2005 when Darfur was referred to the court by the United Nations Security Council and the previous prosecutor Luis Moreno Acampo issued several arrest warrants uh, including for former president of Sudan Bashir including for the charge of genocide for him. This week we had a confirmation of charges hearing for Abd al-Rahman. What happened? So that's basically when the judges in the pre-trial chamber hear from the prosecutor based on the document containing the charges, exactly what they're planning. Uh, the defence disagrees, pokes holes. We also hear from victims rep. And it's important to recognise that what they call the standard of proof in this, it's not like the real trial because it's pre-trial. It's reasonable grounds to believe, uh, not saying that, that they absolutely have to agree that they would convict the person in the end. Really, they just have to show off their theory of the case. The prosecution shows off the theory of the case. And Fatou Bensouda kicked off this uh, part for the prosecution. She uh, said it was her last time on court because she's handing over to Karim Khan pretty soon. She outlined the 31 counts who are all contained in the Wadi Salih and the Mukhtar localities. Uh, and they include for Abdul Rahman persecution, murder, torture and rape. He's accused of leading attacks. He is implicated in more than 300 murders and also raids and... Uh, prosecutors say that under his leadership, uh, militias drove about uh, 40,000 mainly ethnic four civilians from their homes. Feared and revered in equal measure as the colonel of colonels. He was a senior leader of the infamous Janjaweed militia in the Wadi Salih and Mujar localities during the charged period. During this period, Mr. Abdel Rahman and his Janjaweed militia forces, acting with military and police forces of the then government of the Sudan, attacked predominantly fur towns and villages. In the course of these attacks, in locations such as Kodum and Bindisi, between about 15 and about 16 August of 2003, civilians were attacked raped and murdered. Their homes and villages were destroyed. Thousands were forcibly displaced and many fled to larger towns desperately seeking sanctuary. So that was Ben Suda in her opening remarks and various members of the prosecution came after her to give lots more detail, laying it all out. And the first thing that struck me, though, just as I started listening, was that I thought that there were 53 counts against him because that was the initial arrest warrant way back when and then a second arrest warrant more recently. And then on Twitter, 
Paul Bradfield, who used to work for the ICC, he's now at the Irish Centre for Human Rights, explained to me that uh, some areas have been left out. Uh, that's a place called Arawala, and that they've kind of combined together two areas, Kudum and Bindisi. These are all places I don't know myself, but I'm sure we'll hear more about them. They were previously separate, and now they've been brought together. So that's why we've got the new number. What I also found remarkable is that Ben Suda really stressed how senior this leader was and uh, the colonel of colonel and that kind of thing, which of course makes for very nice uh, headlines in, in my stories. Uh, another notable figure was Amal Clooney. Uh, she's always news whenever she shows up. Clooney uh, joined the court from a distance, so the sound isn't as good in court, uh, but she was somewhere very fancy with a lot of law books in the background, so she, she had the right backdrop for it. And um, we are going to listen to this bit where she she sums up how victims agree with the prosecutor. As the evidence shows, the suspect in this case was not only commanding his men from afar, nor merely present, but as the prosecution put it on Monday, he was a knowing, willing, and energetic perpetrator who would show no mercy to his victims. We have now heard a detailed account about his actions, commanding thousands of troops, choosing the routes for fighters, ordering them to shoot and kill, supervising arrests and the loading of cars to execution sites, beating detainees with his axe and whip, and when he felt like it, killing them. I also found it interesting in her opening remarks, she'd actually said that the victims disagreed with the prosecutor on one particular thing that they'd wanted Abdurrahman to be prosecuted also with genocide. They wanted further investigations, if possible, into what he had done. Yeah, I think for the victims' lawyers and also for the prosecutor, it's very important that finally somebody from the Darfur conflict is or could go on trial. So they want to kind of maximize the amount of charges. Somebody who definitely doesn't want to maximize the amount of charges was defense lawyer Cyril Lauchi. He spoke in French, and we're going to listen to a bit of his defense uh, strategy presenting. He basically says that his client is a scapegoat. He was a simple pharmacist with the military and and he refused to participate in things, and also adding that he is apparently not the only Ali Kushaib around. Monsieur Ali Mohamed Ali Abdelrahman is a Taisha. He appartient à une de ces tribus qui a refusé l'appel aux milices tribales, qui a refusé de participer à la contre-insurrection dans laquelle tous les crimes que le bureau du procureur nous a décrits ont été commis. Il y a sans doute une autre raison, il n'est pas le seul Taïcha au Soudan, il y a sans doute d'autres raisons pour lesquelles lui précisément a été euh, visé et désigné comme étant Ali Kouchaïb. Nous ne les connaissons pas. Tout ce qui nous importe, c'est que le bureau du procureur n'a pas rapporté la preuve que M. Ali Mohamed Ali Abdelrahman pouvait être Ali Kouchaïb ou pouvait avoir exercé l'autorité que le procureur décrit pour commettre les crimes qui sont dans le, doc le document indiquant les charges. So this was, I think, central to uh, Lauch's arguments when he talks about his client as not being the right 
Ali Kushayb. He also spent some time contesting the actual meaning of Kushayb. That caused some back and forward between prosecution defence victims over language in different parts of Darfur, which is just this huge area. You know, they're really very far away from each other, areas of South Darfur, East Darfur, etc. So it isn't surprising that they might have different forms of Arabic. Is it something to do with alcohol or is it something to do with toughness? That was, you know, what came out that Amal Clooney said that her victim said, look, it's all to do with being a tough person. That's why he's got got this nickname. Now I'm really I'm really fascinated how the alcohol gets into the nickname, but I'm sure Alauchi will spend lots of time in court explaining it to us exactly. Another thing that's good to know is that Alt Al Rahman has yet to make a plea. Uh, of course, when he gets arrested, they don't make a plea because the charges haven't been confirmed yet. So only after you have confirmed charges could you actually enter a plea. And what usually happens is once they finally get to a trial the charges get read out and at the start of the trial, the suspect at the ICC gets a chance to enter a plea. And we should also remind people, therefore, as to how he got arrested, because this is also an interesting one. He was in the Central African Republic and he apparently surrendered himself. The ICC's registrar, Peter Lewis, later thanked authorities both of the CAR and of France and of Chad and, of course, the Netherlands, who are the host country for the ICC and of the UN peacekeeping mission in the CAR MINUSCA. So, you know, I'm sure there's a story there as to how exactly he emerged um, into the ICC's custody. Yeah, and the defense is making a big kind of deal of it that he surrendered to clear his name. But I'm sure that's all going to be played out uh, very uh, widely in court uh, if Mr. Lauchi's appearance uh, at this confirmation of charges hearing is any indication. And we know that um, this Darfur situation is a really significant one for the ICC. It's um, it's a, a big set of events and they have big arrest warrants. What, what else do we know about uh, how that's playing out? Well, the, the kind of big the big fish, obviously, in, in Sudan and Darfur is Sudan's former president, Omar Hassan al-Bashir, who is facing charges at the ICC of orchestrating genocide and other atrocities in Darfur. He was overthrown in 2019 and he remains in prison in Khartoum. But the, the uh, new leaders of Sudan are kind of saying that they want to work with the ICC to see uh, what they're going to do. And we heard also from Fatou Ben Souda in when she started off in court, she said that she was off to Sudan shortly. If she actually managed to get hold of Bashir and to get him into ICC custody, that would be a real plum to hand over to her successor, Kareem Khan, wouldn't it? That would be a, a really nice uh, departing present. I think from what we're hearing from Sudan or what we've heard from Sudan is that they're trying to maybe put him on trial in Sudan for some of the same uh, crimes, trying to get kind of a complementarity thing going. But uh, they've been talking about that for a while and, and we don't see a lot being set up in Sudan. So So I wonder how much willingness there really is to try him for those crimes in Sudan and how um, difficult it would be or how easy it would be for the ICC to get him to The Hague, even though he's in detention in, in Khartoum. 
Meanwhile, let's uh, wait for the judges to rule on this confirmation of charges in the Abdurrahman case. Let's wait for that. We have no, I don't think there's a deadline. I remember that from the expert report that they should have deadlines uh, or they want deadlines, but we don't have any yet. So we don't really know, usually a couple of months at least. This podcast was created and presented by Janet Anderson and Stephanie van den Berg. It is published in partnership with justiceinfo.net. You can find show notes and additional blogs on asymmetricalhaircuts.com. It is recorded in the Hague Humanity Hub, home to a community of innovators in the field of peace, justice, development and humanitarian action. Music is by audionautics.com and the show is available on every major podcast service, so please subscribe, give us a rating and spread the word. Thank you.